Hey, this is your boy Lo Jackson. I see that you guys have been loving our author this month, Mr. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Oh, Waldo, he's got a fixed uh, audience out there viewing him right now. <laughs> you know, actually, Emerson's religious views were often considered radical at his time, you guys. Is that not crazy? He was one of the radical believers of, the, of his time. He believed that all things are connected to God, and therefore all things are divine, and which I do too. Why not? It's true. All the energies of the world belong to God, and God's energy, and we're energy, and it just goes that way. Jehovah Jireh. Critics actually believe that Emerson was removing the central God figure. Um, Henry Wade Jr. said Emerson was a dangerous man, and he was taking away the father of the universe and leaving but a company of children and an orphan asylum. Emerson was partly influenced by German philosophy and biblical criticism. And today we're going to be doing Nature by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I don't know if you have ever read any of, uh, yeah, Walf. You know, you know Walfy? Yeah, he over there. Walfy. Sorry, guys. Ralph Waldo Emerson. <laughs> um, but he actually was, you know, a preacher. He was. He believed in the Lord. He did a lot of works. He he actually ran an all girls school at one time. Um, and he was highly influenced by the Bible. His views um, were and the ba- were actually the basis of his transcendentalism movement. And I do want to share with you guys, um, transcendentalism is a uh, uh, philosophical, spiritual, and literary movement that developed uh, around, I'd say, from 1820, I believe, to like 1830. And it really only was around um, the the colonial states, like up in New England, really. It never got any further further than that. But I think it was like a really great idea because it it really focused on being self-reliant and self-resilience and and focusing on your independence and your own journey with you know God and I think everybody's on a journey here and sometimes we get stuck in certain um, like facades of our minds that we don't even realize that we have a fixed mindset we don't realize that we have an anxious attachment style we don't realize that we have a growth mindset with a secure attachment style. Those are things that we need to realize because a fixed mindset is a person that's like, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I feel like I'm a total failure, or I'm an idiot, or um, I feel worthless. And then they have a pity party, and a lot of times people with fixed mindsets, they do a lot of um, God blaming, but also with a fixed mind you gotta kind of realize that blame once you start blaming that's when you stop learning and if you're not learning you are far from a growth mindset and your fixed mindset's going to activate that anxious attachment style or that avoidant attachment style that your um, body has and we need to be aware of these things everybody hates me you know, I'm unlucky. That's a fixed mindset. Or there's a, there's a lot of different things out there. How could I ever do that? I couldn't do that, you know. But once you start slowly kind of um, 
allowing different thought processes and processes period into your life or you start focusing on other people's processes and all it is is copy and pasting. If you see somebody out there, look at Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You don't think he's a role model? Copy and paste. You, you know, um, I remember when I started working out, I had read in Men's Health that I needed to have, you know, a body and mind if I wanted to get somewhere. So I picked Leonidas from 300. I never got there. <laughs> no, but I did get close, though. I had total transformation in six months. And the next thing you know, I was the toughest guy in town, you know. Oh, tough Tony, look out. Um, thank you guys for listening. We're going to be doing Nature by Ralph Waldo Emerson today. And I want to know how you view your, uh, yeah, I want to tell you how you view yourself and your mind is the basis of your reality. You know, like if you're successful, you're driven. If you're um, a stay-at-home person, you're a failure. No, that's not true because... Um, everybody has something to offer. And as young kids, I do want to say this. Our brains, minds, emotions, they have the ability literally to take all the things that we were unsuccessful at. And our kids are learning from their failures and then taking these like so-called shortcomings, as we say when we're adults, and they turn them into positives and it's happening all the time and there's like actually psychologists out there studying studying every day the mindset of children what do you think the schools are for I mean the government are running those shows and the government's involved in all the psychological things that are going on I mean we've had a lot of problems with uh, like CPS in the in uh, Illinois and how horrible they've been to the parents and the children of Illinois and we just got to be aware that, hey, you know, our kids actually don't need so many psych- psychological people in their lives. They really just need other kids so they learn, you know, social aspects of how to be and not to be. But then again, do we really want our kids around all those other kids absorbing all those different parents' ideologies, beliefs? And then you wonder why when your kids get older, they kind of go a certain way and do a certain thing. You know, I've helped raise, I got 17 nieces and nephews, and I've helped raise a lot of kids. So I have like a professional aspect, um, just a viewing of how many different kids go different kinds of ways and all the things that led up to them going those ways. And thing, like I told you before, it didn't start with you. There's a book out there called It Didn't Start With You about generational things that are passed down that we don't even have any idea about because we're humans. We don't pay attention to those things. But, you know, my question um, at this point is, you know, when in our biology do we begin to change our neurotransmission or neurochemical transfer starts to, like, not realize that we've stopped learning and that now we've become failures or you know because I don't believe in the word failure honestly because I mean yeah things fail but humans don't when you aren't successful at something that means you just gained experience for when you get back up there to strike out if you strike out again that's more experience don't be afraid to take a swing you know I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Andy Avery he was the second lead singer of the band journey I had a chance to meet him and sit down and talk with him and you know he's lived a horrific life you know he actually was playing guitar he was let me back up 
He was the shortest person to ever play for the Florida Seminoles on their baseball team. He got struck out one time by Roger Clemens, which when he had, when uh, Andy had his first kid, Roger Clemens sent him a baseball and said, hey, thank you, man. Congratulations on your kid, but you were the hardest guy I ever struck out. But, you know, Andy wasn't afraid to take a swing, and he did. He played guitar. He was there learning music, going to music school. He started playing guitar at this Chinese uh, buffet, and then um, he actually was playing one night, and the owner said, hey, do you mind staying late? We got some special guests, and Andy obliged. And he said, when Gene Simmons walked through those doors, I just started playing Beth instantly. And he started singing and playing, and he said, man, I played for an hour. He said, then finally after an hour, Gene Simmons gets up from, Gene Simmons gets up from the table, comes over with $500, $100 bills rolled up, puts it in my cup and says, dude, I'll have a plane ticket for you tomorrow at Jacksonville Airport, fly out to L.A., I'll sign you with Casablanca Records. And that's how Andy Avery got started. And that could happen to you. You could be on your job and be doing industrial maintenance and, you know, a technician come in from Metler Toledo and offer you a position to be a traveling um, metal detector uh, technician. That happened to me. It was awesome. But I didn't do it just for the fact that it was something I didn't want to do, you know, I didn't want to travel. So anyway, today we're going to be doing Nature by Ralph Waldo Emerson, our great author this month. And it has been a blessing that all of you guys have listened, that you're following me, that you're sharing me. I do appreciate it. You can continue to share me and hopefully everybody can learn something here. I do have a lot to share. And I do want you to know that um, failure means, you know, once you strike out, you got another chance to come back with experience and actually prevail at all the practice that you put in. And in life, nothing is a failure. It's only a perspective. And if you can change people's perspective, you're amazing. If you can't change your own, there's a problem. So remember that. And, you know, I don't, I see myself as a success when I wake up in the morning, every single day, you know, I don't let my failures become the precedent in my life. You know, I, I go to work happy and people are like, why are you so happy? What are you so chipper for? It's like, um, because I've been to hell and back. I did everything. I've done my time. I've earned this wisdom and I've read and I've taken action in my life that has succumbed so much and I have put forth effort that most people don't realize. And people with a fixed mindset, risk and effort are very big issues because, you know, they're terrified to take risk or they don't want to put the effort in because if you don't have the ability, you have to put the effort in. And remember that. Effort is from not having the ability to do something. And that's what effort's about. And if you have a fixed mindset, remember, you need to get focused and you need to realize that everything isn't a certain way. Now, how you change a fixed mindset is you learn to develop a growth mindset. And you have to be open that you can develop. You know, uh, a person with a growth mindset puts careful consideration into finding solutions for every problem. And they think more about other people than they do themselves. And they put other people's needs and wants before their own. 
And it's funny because it reminds me of the alpha male when I hear that. And it, <laughs> I have a buddy who he's been working on himself and he's been doing a lot of stuff. And he's always like, I'm an alpha. Well, I had a sister's boyfriend tell me he was an alpha too. But when I watch Jocko Willink on uh, TikTok or YouTube or David Goggins, I think those guys are alphas. I'm just a sigma male. I'm good. I ain't a beta. I ain't running around talking about being an alpha because I definitely am not on that level and I don't have that mindset. That's a mindset. And you can get there, but it takes a lot of, you know, you know, F you to other people. And it's all about me and being strong and being tough and being, you know, because if you don't know anything about David Goggins, his dad's best friend was Rick James. You know, he, he grew up hard, man. And they lived in the rich side of Buffalo. And every night they drove to the ghetto because their dad ran a skull, uh, skating rink. And uh, if those kids weren't doing their job, I mean, he was like Joe Jackson and Michael Jackson. I'm sure I could only imagine. But it made David Goggins become an alpha. It made David Goggins become one of the best Navy SEALs there ever was. And if you don't know anything about David Goggins, reach out and get the book, Can't Hurt Me. It's one of the best reads I've ever read. And thank you guys for listening to Only You Podcast. And it is World Cancer Research Month. And thank you guys for caring about those who have cancer and you know any kind of support towards cancer is a great thing because you have no idea the effects it has on everybody around the person that goes or the person that is fighting it and it's really tiresome and it actually could be I think cured and if we take a little bit of money and throw it in there in a big pot maybe we'll get there someday and thank you guys for listening again As he returned from Europe in 1833, Emerson had begun to think about the book that would eventually be published under the title, Nature. Nature, Emerson drew upon material from his journals, sermons, and lectures, everybody. The lengthy essay was first published in Boston in 1836, and I just wanted to share that with you because Ralph Waldo Emerson is a great guy, and I do want to say thank you guys for listening, and thank you guys for following me. Hopefully you enjoy nature. Our age is retrospective. It builds the sculptures or the tombs of the fathers. It writes biographies, histories, and criticisms. The foregoing generations beheld God and nature face to face. We, through their eyes, why should not we also enjoy an original relation to the universe? Why should not we have a poetry and philosophy of insight and not a, of tradition? And a religion by revelation to us and not the history of theirs. Embosomed for a season a nature whose floods of life stream around and through us and invite us by the powers they supply to the action proportioned to nature. Why should we grope among the dry bones of the past or put the living generations into masquerades out of its faded wardrobe? The sun shines today also 
There is more wool and flax in the fields. There are new lands, new men, new thoughts. Let us demand our own works and laws and worship. Undoubtedly, we have no questions to ask which are unanswerable. We must trust the perfection of the creation so far as to believe that whatever curiosity the order of things has awakened in our minds, the fixed mind, the growth mind, the order of things can satisfy. Every man's condition is a solution in hieroglyphic to those inquiries he would put. He acts at his life before he apprehends it as truth. In like manner, nature is already in its own like form and tendencies, describing its own design. Let us interrogate the great apparition that shines so peacefully around us. Let us inquire to what end is nature. All science has one aim, namely to find a theory of nature. We have theories of races and functions, but scarcely yet a remote approach to an idea of creation. We are now so far from the road to truth that religious teachers dispute and hate each other, and speculative men are esteemed unsound and frivolous. But to a sound judgment, the most abstract truth is the most practical. Whenever a true theory appears, it will be its own evidence. Its test is that it will explain all phenomena. Now, many are thought not only unexplained, but inexplicable, as language, sleep, madness, dreams, beasts, sex. Philosophically considered, the universe is composed of nature and the soul. Strictly speaking, therefore, all that is separate from us, all which philosophy distinguishes as the not me, that is both nature and art, all other men and my own body must be ranked under the name nature. In enumerating the values of nature and casting up their sum, I shall use the word in both senses. In its common and in its philosophical import, in inquiries so general as our present one, the inaccuracy is not material, not confusion of thought will occur. Nature, in the common sense, refers to essences unchanged by man, space, the air, the river, the leaf. Art is applied to the mixture of his will with the same things as in a house, a canal, a statue, or a picture. But his operations taken together are so insignificant, a little chipping, baking, patching, and washing, that in an impression so grand as that of the world on the human mind, they do not vary the result. Nature, chapter 1. To go into solitude, a man needs to retire as much from his chamber as from society. Now isn't that the truth? I am not solitary whilst I read and write, though nobody is with me. But if a man would be alone, let him look at the stars. The rays that come from those heavenly worlds will separate 
between him and what he touches. One might think the atmosphere was made transparent with his design to give man and the heavenly bodies the perpetual presence of the sublime. Seen in the streets of the cities, how great they are. If the stars should appear one night in a thousand years, how would men believe and adore and preserve for many generations the remembrance of the city of God which had been shown? But every night come out these envoys of beauty and light, the universe with their beautiful smile. The stars awaken a certain reverence because though always present, they are inaccessible, but all natural objects make a kindred impression. When the mind is open to their influence, nature never wears a mean appearance. Neither does the wisest man extort her secret and lose his curiosity by finding out all her perfection. Nature never became a toy to a wise spirit. The flowers, the animals, the mountains reflected the wisdom of his best hour. As much as they had delighted the simplicity of his childhood, when we speak of nature in this manner, we have a distinct but most po poetical sense in the mind. We mean the integrity of impression made by manifold natural objects. It is this which distinguishes the stick of timber of the woodcutter from the tree of the poet. The charming landscape which I saw this morning is indubitably made up of some 20 or 30 farms. Miller owns this field, locked that, and manning the woodland beyond. But none of them owns the landscape. There is a property in the horizon which no man has, but he whose eye can integrate all the parts, that is, the poet. This is the best part of these men's farms, yet to this their warranty deeds give no title. To speak truly, few adult persons can see nature. Most persons do not see the sun. At least they have a very superficial scene. The sun illuminates only the eye of the man, but shines into the eye and the heart of the child. The lover of nature is he whose inward and outward senses are still truly adjusted to each other, who has retained the spirit of infancy even into the era of manhood. His intercourse with heaven and earth becomes part of his daily food. In the presence of nature, a wild delight runs through the man. In spite of real sorrows, nature says, he is my creature, he is mine. All his impertinent griefs, he shall be glad with me. Not the sun or the summer alone, but every 
hour and season yields its tribute of delight. For every hour and change corresponds to the authorities a different state of the mind from breathless noon to grimace midnight. Nature is a setting that fits equally well. A comic or a morning piece. In good health, the air is a cordial of incredible virtue, crossing a bare common and snow puddles at twilight under a clouded sky without having in my thoughts any occurrence of special good fortune. I have enjoyed a perfect exhilaration. I am glad to brink of fear. In the woods, too, a man casts off his years as the snake his skin. And at that period of life, and there's a child in each individual out there. And we need to realize that some of our behaviors are to protect that child inside of us. We get angry because we don't realize that that little kid feels hurt, so we got to get mad. In the woods is perpetual youth. Within these plantations of God, a decorum and sanctity of rain, a perennial festival is dressed, and the guest sees not how he should tire of them in a thousand years. In the woods, we return to reason and faith. There I feel that nothing can befall me in life. No disgrace, no calamity, leaving me my eyes, which nature cannot repair. Standing on the bare ground, my head bathed by the blight air and uplifted into the infinite space, all mean egotism vanishes. I become a transparent eyeball. I am nothing. I see all. The currents of the universal being calculate through me. I am part or particle of God. The name of the nearest friend sounds then foreign and accidental to be brothers or to be acquaintances. Master or servant is then a trifle and a disturbance. I am the lover of uncontained and immoral beauty. In the wilderness, I find something more dear than in the streets or villages, in the tranquil landscape, and especially in the distant line of the horizon. Man beholds somewhat as beautiful as his own nature. Thank you guys for listening, and hopefully you are enjoying this wonderful read. This is Chapter 2, Commodity. Whoever considers the final cause of the world will discern a multitude of uses that result. They all admit of being thrown into one of the following classes, commodity, beauty, language, and discipline. Under the general name of commodity, I rank all those advantages which our senses owe to nature. This, of course, is a benefit which is temporary, immediate, not ultimate, like its service to the soul. Yet, although low, it is perfect in its kind, and is the only use of nature which all men apprehend. The misery of man appears like childish perpetuance, 
when we explore the steady and prodigal provision that has been made for his support and delight on this green ball which floats him through the heavens. What angels invented these splendid ornaments, these rich conveniences, this ocean of air above the ocean of water beneath the ferment of earth between, this zodiac of lights, this tint of dropping clouds, this striped coat of climates, this fourfold year. Beast, fire, water, stone, and corn serve him. The field is at once his floor, his workyard, his playground, his garden, and his bed. More servants wait on man than he'll take notice of. Nature is in its ministry to man, not only the material, but is also the process and the result. All the parts incessantly work into each other's hands for the profit of man. The wind sows the seed, the sun evaporates the sea, the wind blows the vapor to the field, the ice on the other side of the planet condenses rain on this. The rain feeds the plant, the plant feeds the animal, and thus the endless circulation of the divine charity nourish man. The useful arts are reproductions or new combinations by the wit of man, of the same nat natural benefactor. He no longer waits for favoring gales, but by means of stream he realizes the fable and carries the two and thirty winds in the boiler of his boat. To diminish friction, he paves the road with iron bars and mounting a coach with a shipload of men, animals, and merchandise behind him. He darts through the country from town to town like an eagle or a swallow. And that was Nature by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I know I did. There's much more to read to that. If you want to go out there and check it out, you should, because that's how you actually conquer your mind, is by learning, reading, fixing, and growing. And I have been teaching you guys my other podcasts about you know, anxious attachment styles, avoidant attachment styles, secure attachment styles. But the more I think about it, um, I'm starting to learn about mindsets now and fixed mindsets and anxious attachment styles actually play a part because a lot of the things that I'm finding in between those two actually have correlations and underlying causes and similarities in causes, you know, because fixed minded people, they label themselves, you know, it's a permanent trait. They, they label themselves as, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, or I can't do this. And you see it in little kids. Imagine getting into a relationship as a secure attachment style with a growth mindset. Then you enter this relationship with a guy who has an anxious attachment style and a fixed mindset where he can't do anything, everybody else is to blame because once you start blaming, you are done growing, you are done learning, and you can't be taught anything. So remember, you have to remain teachable in life, leadable and impressionable for to get even close to a growth mindset. You know, growth mindset people, they face hardships and they rebuild relationships. They know how to forgive. Um, they, they think if at first you don't succeed, then try, try again. Or the growth mindset says Rome wasn't built in a day. The fixed mindset says, 
oh, I could never build Rome. Nobody knows how to do that stuff, you know, but nobody wants to put in the effort to change and nobody wants to put in the effort to understand themselves. It's always easier to do the wrong thing and be lazy than it is to have to do the work and do the hard thing, which is the right thing. And, you know, when you believe that your qualities are unchangeable, that leads to thoughts and actions that aren't warranted or wanted in the human um, psyche. But if you start to slowly introduce new thoughts into your um, eyes and mind, and if you start thinking that qualities should be cultivated and then transpired to you and to others around you, once you get to that point, you actually reach a level of what psychologists call that aha moment. And then you realize that, whoa, I have been fixated like this for a long time. I have been making myself anxious. And you yourself are activating your anxious attachment style. In reality, also, things that cause our anxious attachment styles can be related to drugs as well. Because um, people that have drug issues, they get angry because anger is a way the mind can create dopamine to actually boost your levels up to get you to close to where those drugs were at one point or whatever it is that you're addicted to whether it be coffee caffeine and remember you know those things are vasoconstrictors vasodilators a vaso um a vasodilator actually is arginine it's good for your heart and it's good for your veins and stuff go out there and check it out um, remember to try to have a growth mindset. You know, you want to be a solution solver. Start questioning yourself in your mind. Why, are, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why are we doing this? What is going on here? What are the underlying issues? You know, those feelings that you have, there's a reason why you're having those. You know, you got to pay attention to the words people use because, like, conversation is 9% verbal. 38% tonality because when you're soft and kind people are more receptive instead of being bold and angry and blah you know think about it would you rather listen to an angel whisper or the devil roar hmm that's a hard one to figure out but think about it it makes sense and thank you guys for listening to the only you podcast and thank you for following me and thank you for sharing me and hopefully we can get out of the belief that our qualities are unchangeable because that's where we got to start as a people as a whole we have to really dive into fixed mindsets why do people behave the way they do and what can i do to actually help my own mind get better that's a growth mindset a fixed mindset is i'm never going to get better i'm this way because my daddy was this way or I'm this way because mama was this way or uncle was this way or whatever it is because a lot of our fixed stuff is because of certain situations. If you're around a lot of abuse growing up, you're definitely going to be fixed about some stuff. You know, that's people that are driven and like are hardcore, those are successful people. But dude, those are fixed people. They have fixed beliefs and usually they get to a point in their jobs where they can't even go any further because they can't learn anymore they are actually closed off you know they don't have the ability so they're putting in so much effort that they get burned out and stuff like that so there's a lot of different things that take into account of trying to understand what's going on inside of somebody if they're actually struggling to 
overcome certain types of things. And, you know, my podcast is to help those understand that reading is the way to enlighten your life and to get involved in books because who's going to teach you this stuff nowadays? The internet where everybody's throwing out lies. Oh, let me Google that. Please. The first three things you Google, those, those little sites, they pay 3 million bucks off the top to have their little blog that's lies post to you go four or five pages into a search then you'll find the truth you're not going to find it in the first page second page you may find it in the third if it's something really you know just stupid or just not not a big deal but if you're doing deep research and you really want to find the truth about a lot of things going on that you got to get past all the people spending money to brainwash you and realize that all these little systems are created to conform you to a corporation's way of thinking. You know, all the little ads you see on TV, you know, all those energy drinks and all those things, all that makeup, those are owned by all the companies that own everything here. We just have to be aware of what's going on around us. And thank you guys again for sharing me. Thank you for listening to me. And thank you for being just a part of this with me. I do appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for reaching out. And thank you for the five-star reviews. I am so grateful. And again, till next time, hopefully you're enjoying this. I am.